Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman, and welcome to part two of our mini-series on women's ministry. Michelle and I get lots of questions about this topic, like how to start a women's ministry, what kinds of activities a women's ministry should hold, and so on. And last week, we talked about how to make sure your women's ministry is biblical. We covered scripture passages like Titus 2, 3 through 5, 1 Timothy 5, Acts 6, and many others. So if you missed it, be sure to go back and give that episode a listen before moving on to today's episode. Yeah, please do. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about some of the more practical aspects of how to do women's ministry. We're going to be offering you some suggestions that you may want to implement in your own women's ministry, as well as sharing with you how we're serving the women of our own churches. And we hope that you'll find something in this episode that will help you minister to the women of your church. And as we mentioned last week, there are many wonderful ways that women can minister to one another. But in these two episodes, we're specifically talking about women's ministry as it pertains to organized women's ministry in the church, an official approved program or organization of the church that the church itself, you know, that has some sort of recognized designated leadership that intentionally plans church-sanctioned activities, classes, etc., for the purpose of building up and discipling the women of your church. Yeah, so just to refresh our memories a little bit, a biblical women's ministry will follow Scripture's paradigm of godly older women training younger women, teaching them what is good as defined by Scripture. And the goal is for the younger women to grow in Christ-likeness and to be godly women and wives and mothers. In order to accomplish those things, though, our women's ministry has to center on the Bible. It sure does. But, you know, Amy, there are some Christians who think that having a quote-unquote Titus II women's ministry means that the older women are only to teach the younger women domestic skills like cooking yeah. and cleaning and child rearing. And they would say that women should never teach the Bible even to other women. Yeah, that's right, Michelle. And we dealt with this idea in our uh, recent episode titled Titus 2, Teach What is Good? Uh, question mark there at the end of that title. We dug into the text and showed uh, our listeners that Titus 2, uh, 3 through 5 isn't about teaching domestic skills, but teaching holiness. And that's got to come from the Bible. And we put a link to that episode in the show notes. And listeners, we would definitely encourage you to go and check that out. It was a, a pretty good one, I think. And um, and it really addresses a, a lot of the this trend. It, it is a trend, uh, like you said, Michelle, for women to think that we're not supposed to be teaching scripture. Of course, there's nothing wrong with teaching younger women how to cook and uh, other domestic skills. And, and I like that. That can be very helpful. And we can even plan some events that are just for fun. But we need to make sure everything we do is centered on God's word. So how do we do that? How do we do women's ministry? Well, Amy, a lot of those logistics of how we do women's ministry are highly dependent on what is needful in your church, in the lives of the younger yeah. women, and in the lives of the older women. That's why the women's ministries at most doctrinally sound churches will have a lot of things in common, but each one should be unique to the women, uh, to the needs of the women in that particular church. So let's take a look at some of those, those logistics. Now, in my opinion, this isn't law, just my older woman experienced opinion. 
A rigid, overly programmatic structure for discipling and training younger women isn't optimal because what we're doing is not so much imparting academic subject matter, but walking through life with someone and teaching as we go. It's kind of like parenting. You know, you don't meet with your kid once a week and go through a parenting curriculum. You know, like this week we're teaching you potty training. Next week we're teaching you tying your shoes. You know, you get up every day, you walk through life with your, your child and you teach her what is needful in the moment. And it's also the kind of the way that Jesus trained the disciples. They lived life together and he taught them as they went. So we want to get as close to that kind of daily walking together through life relationship as we can. Yes. So what should be our structure or group dynamic for training? Should older women train younger women one-on-one or maybe one older woman to two or three younger women, or maybe an older woman teaching a small class of about 10 to 15 women or so? Well, like Michelle said, it depends on your particular church. If you have a lot of younger women and maybe just a few older women, you might need to have those older women teach a class or small group or something like that. Um, if you are an older woman who wants to invest in the life of a younger woman, and there's maybe only one younger woman in your church who's interested in that, you'll probably need to disciple her one-on-one. Yeah. And here's what my advice would be. If the older women at your church are not training the younger women in some way, and and it doesn't have to be any sort of formalized program, maybe your church already has a good thing going with just organic relationships and conversations between older and younger women. But, you know, if there's just nothing going on between older and younger women, first go talk to your pastor about it and get his insight and direction. Yes. And if your pastor gives you the go ahead, maybe the next step is to call all the women together for coffee or tea or something in a meeting or something like that to go figure out which group dynamic or which uh, mix of group dynamics would be best for everyone. For example, you could do something like, uh, you know, some women do one-on-one discipleship. Some of you women might want to do two or three discipleship. And then all of you meet together in a big class once a month or something like that. You know, it really depends on what your ladies and your church uh, do need. And uh, the same would go for how often you're going to meet together in person for training. So, um, you know, weekly seems to work best for a lot of people. I know it does for our church, Michelle. Or you could maybe meet uh, more often or less often as needed. And if you should throw, um, you know, another thing into the mix, phone calls, texts, Zoom calls, that kind of thing, emails in there too. You know, it's all connecting. It's all keeping in touch on a more daily basis. So those are just some thoughts on how you could structure uh, the discipleship training aspect of your women's ministry. But let's turn our thoughts now toward the methodology of that discipleship training. Our our ladies, uh, Michelle, are using a curriculum at this time around what we found to be helpful and solid. Um, we're, We're using a book, but we're not studying the book of itself. We're studying scripture uh, because we know that book authors, even those we trust, aren't writing in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but uh, they can be very helpful in guiding our research of the Bible. Uh, Michelle, what do you think of using some sort of Titus II mentoring or training curriculum or program uh, like a book or workbook or a DVD series? Right. And, you know, as as we're talking about this right now in this moment, I'm particularly thinking of those um, those books and curricula that are specifically like Titus II 
uh, sort of books and curriculum with with teaching the household skills and teaching oh, yeah, the Bible. Yeah. So there are a few of, of those good ones out there. And I'm not saying don't ever use a curriculum or that there aren't any good curricula out there. I just think you can do much better by simply sticking with the Bible and the biblical wisdom of godly women in your local church. First of all, as our listeners have heard us say so many times, a lot of the quote-unquote Christian books marketed to women today teach mainly fluff and false doctrine, and you don't want to bring that into your church. Oh, you sure don't. And it takes a lot of time to pour over those books and materials and vet them properly to see if they're doctrinally sound, because we never bring materials into the church without first vetting them against scripture to make sure that they are doctrinally sound. There are so many that are not sound that we need to stay away from. But if you just use the Bible, like you said, as uh, Michelle said, as uh, your curriculum, God has already done the vetting for you. And another thing to consider is that you're training unique individuals in your women's ministry and all of their lives and backgrounds and experiences and levels of sanctification are different from one another. That is true. Books and materials uh, often use a one-size-fits-all model you know, because they have to, and that's just not going to work for when you're dealing with all kinds of different women and the various circumstances that come up in uh, women's lives. A book cannot address all of those unique uh, scenarios, of course, but you, uh, your Bible, your wisdom, and your experience can. So just some things to think about. Yeah, that is so true, Amy. You know, I've been through two different Titus II type mentoring curricula, and that was certainly the case with both of them. Both of those curricula consisted of weekly lessons that were part Bible study and part homemaking skills, like I was talking about a minute ago. But, you know, both of them were pretty weak and surface level when it came to the Bible study part. And it just seemed Uh. to me that the main thrust of both of the books was cooking and keeping a neat kitchen. And they definitely weren't able to address, like what you were talking about, any of the struggles or circumstances that any of the women in our group were going through. And that's really backwards from true Titus II training. Titus II type training should revolve around helping that younger woman grow in Christ to mature godly womanhood. She can learn cooking and cleaning anywhere, even from non-Christians, but she can't learn how to become a godly older woman except from a godly older woman. Amen. So when it comes to your methodology, you know, like I said, we're not saying never to use a good doctrinally sound book or curriculum. We're just saying that the benefits of simply using your Bible and the wisdom and experience of your older godly older ladies far outweighs the benefits of using a generic one size fits all book. But if using a curriculum for this type of life training isn't optimal, what is? What are we to teach? Well, let's think back to what verses uh, 4 and 5 of Titus 2 say. Train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. So think about it. How can we teach a younger woman to love her husband and children if we don't teach her how the Bible, uh, rather than the world, defines love? How can a younger woman understand why she should be self-controlled or pure or how she should be working at home or what it means to be kind and submissive to her husband if she doesn't know what the Bible teaches about those things? So we have to teach her 
the Bible. So how do we teach younger women what the Bible says about all of those things in those verses I just read, four and five? Remember when you were in school and you had to take those certain core subjects and you got to choose certain electives? Well, that's kind of how it works here, too. Right. Yeah, let's take a look at those core subjects first. The very first thing you've got to teach when you're training younger women is the gospel. You cannot yes. assume someone has been genuinely born again just because she was raised in church or she's been baptized or she says she's a Christian or she says she believes the gospel. Because there are a lot of churches out there that say they're teaching the gospel, but they're not. And there are a lot of people out there who think they've believed the gospel and have been born again, but they haven't. So you've got to teach them. Yes, that's right, Michelle. And as you teach the deeper things of God uh, in all of the things that Scripture says, the doctrine and theology, uh, you begin to find out where uh, women struggle or, or where, you know, some of their beliefs just don't line up with Scripture. And then right. you can help her understand and walk that way. So you've got to sit her down and spell it out for her. And, and here it is. You're a sinner by birth and by choice. You've broken God's laws time and time again. God is perfect, holy, and just, so he must punish sin. The punishment for sin is an eternity in hell, and left to your own devices, that's where you're headed. God says there's no way for you in your own strength, with your own efforts, that you could ever make up for your sin or do enough good deeds to outweigh the sin that you've committed. So you need someone to step in and rescue you from this horrible situation because that's the only way out. And that's what God himself did, didn't he? He stepped in and he sent his only son, Jesus, to come to earth to live a perfect, sinless life and then to take the punishment for your sin for you. That's why he was whipped and beaten and nailed to the cross and endured God's wrath against sin being poured out on him. That was the punishment for your sin, and Jesus took it in your place. If you will repent, which means to sorrowfully turn your heart away from your sin and ask him to forgive you, and if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection paid the penalty for your sins, he will save you and give you a new heart and make you clean and right with God. Amen. That's such good news. And yes. this is this is so crucial. You know, with anyone you're discipling, you've got to take the time to go through the gospel with her step by step. Make sure she understands it and make sure to the best of your ability that she believes it. I mean, first, because if if she's not saved, she needs to be saved. But second, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural or unsaved person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, you cannot train or disciple someone who isn't saved. It's just not going to work. I mean, if you've ever heard the old saying, never attempt to teach a pig to sing. It wastes your time and annoys the pig. You know, trying <laughs> yes. to disciple someone who isn't saved is like that. It's like beating your head up against a wall. It's not going to work. So job one of the discipleship aspect of your women's ministry is to teach the gospel. 
And if you need a little help with your gospel presentation, be sure to take a look at the one on our website. Just go to a wordfitlyspoken.life and click on the Good News tab. We not only explain the step of the plan of salvation step by step with all the right scriptures, but there are also some good videos and other materials there yeah. too. So, Amy, once we've got the gospel nailed down with the women we're discipling, what's the next core subject we should focus on? Well, we need to teach them the Bible and how to study the Bible. Uh, there are two different things, you know, of course, in that what I just said, but uh, we're putting them together because you can teach them both at the same time. Right. Now, when I say teach the Bible, uh, depending on the structure of your discipleship meetings, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to prepare an hour-long formal Bible lesson every week. It might if you're going to do a more of a formal Bible study class type of structure. But if you're doing more of a casual one-on-one, or one-on-three type of dynamic. Um, it might be more of an informal, read this chapter and we're going to discuss it next week kind of thing. And when I say teach the Bible, I mean just that. Teach the Bible. Open up your Bible and teach straight from the text of Scripture. One of the reasons so many evangelical women today don't know their Bibles is because they've always been dependent on someone else's book or workbook or just someone else, and they've never dug straight into the Scripture for themselves. Yeah, that's so true. You know, and maybe you're an older woman and you want to train younger women, but you've always relied on a workbook type study and you're not really sure how to study or teach straight from the Bible. That is okay. I promise you it is not as hard as it sounds. Here's what you do. First of all, start off with prayer. Ask yes. God to guide you and give you understanding as you study. Then you pick up your Bible. You choose a book. You start with chapter one, verse one, and taking your time, you work your way through the book verse by verse until you get to the end. When you get done with that book, you choose another book and you start all over again. It really is that simple. We tend to make everything so complicated these days, but it really is simple. And look, if you've never taught straight from the text of Scripture before, and that seems a little scary, we've got more resources to help you at michellelesley.com and naomistable.com. Our Bible studies, if you use them and you work through them, they'll teach you how to study or teach straight from the text of Scripture in a sort of learn-by-doing way, so that once you get the hang of it, you won't have to depend on anyone else's materials anymore, including ours. Yeah. Okay, so teach the gospel, teach the Bible, and how to study the Bible. What's the next core subject, Amy? Well, this one is near and dear to both of us, Michelle, and that is we need to teach faithful church membership. You know, a lot of godly older women are raised in the church, or they were, and they grew up in homes where you got up every Sunday morning, and if you weren't coughing up a lung or running a 105-degree fever or bleeding out your eyeballs, you were in <laughs> church, and you got there on time, and you were involved, and you were invested in the church. Church was the priority, which is why, you know, this is the way it should be for all Christians, but a lot of younger ladies, even if they were raised in what they would consider a Christian or church-going family, didn't have that experience. You know, their experience was probably more like mine growing up, but maybe their family went to church just when they felt like it, or maybe they weren't even raised in a church at all, or only, you know, maybe they only recently came to Christ. You know, Michelle, that, that was me. I, we went to Sunday school and stuff in a, a very, um, well, not a good church. It was a Unitarian uh, 
uh, church where everybody was saved and we just, you know, didn't really talk about Jesus all that much and certainly didn't at home. So Mm -hmm. a lot of younger ladies are going to need to be trained in what used to be called churchmanship, basically how to do church. And older ladies, you know, we've got to set the example. This isn't a do what I say, not what I do kind of thing. This is a let's all do this together thing. So when you teach churchmanship, you start by using Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, which says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right. That's where churchmanship starts. And then you, you know, sort of study around the New Testament together about how vital the church is in the life of the believer. Uh, and some other things to consider. Has she been baptized? Is she an actual official member of the church? Those are priority one because those are extremely important. You know, if she's not, if she's not been baptized, if she's not an actual official member of the church, maybe the two of you go talk to the pastor together about how your church does those things and how she can get those things squared away. Or if you're doing more of a a group or a class dynamic, maybe you can ask the pastor to come in and teach a couple of lessons on baptism and membership and, and things of that nature. Another aspect of teaching churchmanship is to help the woman or women you're discipling consider what her spiritual gifts are and help her to find a place in the church to serve. You also help her to learn faithfulness to the church by your example of, of getting there every, you know, on time every week and, and serving and paying attention and participating in worship and so on. You can help her in, with any logistical issues she has. I mean, if she needs a ride to church or if she maybe she's a single mom and she needs help getting the kids ready on Sunday morning and you can help her with those things. These are all churchmanship types of things that you can help her with. Okay, so teach the gospel, teach the Bible and how to study the Bible, and teach good churchmanship. Those those are going to be pretty much the same for everybody, your core subjects. And then, in, you know, in keeping with our little core curriculum motif, you've got your electives. That's right. You're going to want to find out what kinds of things the women or a woman or women you're discipling would like to learn about. Yeah, maybe she would like to learn about a certain area of theology like eschatology or um, pneumatology or church history. Don't be scared of that. Ask your pastor for a good beginner's book on it and then study through it together. You might learn something. Or maybe she'd like to learn more about a particular Bible topic. Submission in marriage is one of the things in verse 5 Titus 2. And it's something most young women have questions about. You know, maybe in addition to learning about submission from observing your good example or from asking questions, uh, maybe she'd like to do a deep dive into scripture about that. Other topics she might be interested in could be parenting or prayer, assurance, modesty, discernment, the role of women in the church and home. Those are all good topics to help her learn about. Or, you know, she might have another one that she wants to learn about, or there might even be some practical skills she needs some help with. Like, you know, we talked about this earlier, cooking, cleaning, changing diapers, potty training, doing her taxes, gardening, sewing, changing attire, backgammon, whatever. Like we said earlier, teaching those things isn't bad. It's just that they shouldn't be the sole curriculum or focus of your women's ministry. And of course, there's going to be those situations that arise spontaneously uh, where you can be there for her and help her walk through something in a biblical way, like um, the hard death of a loved 
someone or an argument with her husband or her child getting picked on at school, all of those kinds of situations when we just need somebody to be there with us and for us and to give us a little guidance. Yeah, that's right. These are all things you can discuss with the woman or women that you're discipling as they come up. You don't have to be an expert on every biblical topic or every practical skill to train a younger woman. Remember, if all else fails, ask your pastor. He can probably point you in the right direction. And then let me emphasize this, too. We're using a lot of terms like godly and spiritually mature or wisdom and experience and so on to describe older women. And if you're anything like me, when you hear those descriptions, you know, your immediate thought is how far far short you fall in those areas, how you spoke disrespectfully to your husband last week, or you told a lie this morning. And you probably think, I'm not godly enough or spiritually mature enough to train anybody. I should wait a few years until I'm more godly and, and spiritually mature. Baloney. That's just fear and pride talking. No matter how long you walk with the Lord, you will never be perfect and you will always fall short. Listen to me, ladies. There isn't any other kind of older woman except the imperfect older woman to train these younger women. You're it. They can learn just as much from the failures you share and your example of repentance as they can from your successes or your proficiency in a particular subject or skill. Humble yourself, step up, and train them. Okay. So thus far, we've talked about how you can structure your teaching and discipling, your methodology, that it's generally more beneficial to use the Bible and and the wisdom and experience of your godly older women than a book or curriculum, uh, the core subjects you should teach, the Bible, uh, the gospel, the Bible and how to study it, and good churchmanship. And the various electives of biblical topics and practical skills that different women will want to learn. So what might that look like fleshed out or put into practice in a particular church? Amy, how are you doing the discipleship aspect of of women's ministry at your church? Well, this is really funny, ladies, because Michelle and I were, we were talking about this, this program that we wanted to do on, you know, what does, um, biblical church, uh, you know, the, this ministry look like in the church biblically and practically. And it, it turns out that Michelle and I are both, um, facilitating or, or doing, uh, Titus two studies at, in our churches, each of us are. And so, uh, it, you know, I'm up here in Wisconsin and, uh, we're doing it one way and Michelle, you're doing it another way. And, you know, the first thing I would say, our, our church is very small, um, and we are learning as uh, these older or seasoned women together first about what this looks like biblically, uh, because we know that we need to be girded in the foundation and equipped ourselves before we can even begin to put our faith into practice and disciple others. So right now, we are examining ourselves in uh, three areas. First, uh, we we need to become solid in our theology or doctrine. And I'm not saying that we're not already as older women, We we but it's always good to make sure that we're all grounded together. And, you know, it, it's like uh, the gospel, you know, you you teach it, but you want to hear it yourself every day. You know, you, mm-hmm. we, we all need this all the time. It, we leak, right? So yeah. uh, so becoming <laughs> solid and, and uh, just really getting back to the basics, um, understanding the character of a Titus II woman. And then, you know, then we're going to be looking at um, the ministry itself. Uh, so on that last one, 
I will say we are blessed to have a beautiful mix of women of all ages in our rather small church family. So we have many older women, um, some married, uh, some widowed, and we have uh, a lot of young 20, 30-something women, as well as uh, a lot of teen and preteen girls. So lots of lots of opportunities there. And we will be uh, really intentional about, you know, helping them understand that uh, not only are we here for them, but uh, we're going to be learning to create those opportunities and relationships to help disciple one another. Uh, and we are going to be taking on the practically equipping for helping our younger, younger women too, to learn about, you know, what does it mean to work at home or love our husbands or, you know, even being organized and, and run our homes well. Uh, but for the doctrine part of it, we're really right now just taking everyone back to the basics of, you know, the nature and character of God. Who is Jesus? Who does he say he is? Let's dive deep and look at all the scriptures we can find on that. What did he come to do? What, you know, what did his death on the cross accomplish? What is sin? We just got done with doing that section, uh, earlier this week. It was, uh, phenomenal. How do we know we're saved? What is sanctification? And one of my favorites, what is holiness and how do we walk in it? And uh, so then we're going to be moving on to the character part of this because, uh, you know, as a Titus 2 woman, we're going to really need to look at ourselves and uh, look at accountability and, and you know, iron sharpens iron with us. So um, it has taken us several months of just um, the equipping in, in just the doctrine part, and we are not finished there yet. But uh, in the process, we are working together toward building these deep relationships that uh, that go far beyond and just, you know, oh, these are the ladies we chat with at church during fellowship time over coffee. No, these are our sisters. And we are learning what these relationships need to be. Like you mentioned earlier, Michelle, doing life with each other. Uh, and that takes time and commitment and prayer and being vulnerable with each other. So that's kind of what we're doing. How about you? What are, what are you guys up to in your church in Louisiana? Well, it sounds like we are doing the heart of the same thing, you know, at both yeah. of our churches, you know, the, the, the heart behind what we're doing and the, the, um, how it's centered on scripture is, is basically yes. the same thing, which is so great, you know. Uh, but you know, it's, it's funny, Amy. I was yesterday, I was, I was listening back through that, that previous Titus 2 episode that we mentioned earlier. And I think yes. I said in that episode, I think that was earlier this year, like March or something, I believe. Uh, it was in the spring. Yeah. I, I think I said that I wasn't really doing anything in women's ministry at my church. And now our win women's ministry has sort of blossomed and I'm leading in three different aspects of women's <laughs> ministry. I just really realized awesome. that today. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Uh, but one of the uh, things, one of the things that I do is that I lead a life group and this isn't women's ministry per se. It falls under the general discipleship ministry of our church, but our life groups are made up of groups of men and then groups of women. And I lead one of the women's groups. So it is ministry to women. And if we didn't do this as part of our discipleship ministry, it would be very easy and, and helpful to sort of import it into the women's ministry. 
Um, at our church, life groups are made up of, uh, well, the women's life groups are made up of about four to six women, or, you know, if it's a men's group, uh, four to six men. Um, it's not a Bible study, but more like a discussion group, or I, I kind of like to think of it as sort of a weekly debriefing. Um, we discuss the sermon, the Sunday school lesson, because our whole church is studying the same book of the, of the Bible for Sunday school. Uh, we talk about our weekly Bible reading, serving the church, prayer requests that, that the individual ladies might have. Scripture memory is something we're starting to work on. Um, evangelism, you know, if we've had the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and, and basically just our lives in general. So this very much covers the discipleship aspect of churchmanship and, and teaching the Bible and how to study it. And then plus a bunch of those sort of elective topics that we were talking about are always springing up and we deal with those as well. And I just cannot tell you how much of a blessing those ladies are to me. They are just such a great part of my life and so important to me. And then another thing that we just started is a monthly women's meeting. My church's initials are WBC. So we call it WBC at WBC, Women Becoming Christlike at WBC. And oh, yeah, it's, it was kind of fun. And this came up uh, and came about because my other friend, Amy S., and I were sitting around one day. I have a friend at church uh, whose name is also Amy, and her last name starts Isn't with an funny? S. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she and I were sitting around talking one day um, about starting up a ladies' Bible study. And and this really, you know, this group is a really good example of figuring out what's needful at your particular church, because that's what we did. You know, we have some really great children's programs. And other church activities, too, that take uh, a lot of time and work. And a lot of the women of our church are really committed to those those activities, and they are just super busy. So um, my other friend, Amy, and I felt like asking women to commit to a traditional weekly Bible study that requires prep work and homework, we just felt like that was too much. And plus, we already have that in Sunday school every week anyway. So what we did was we backed it off to once a month. But, you know, you can't if, if you think about it, think about trying to do a traditional expository Bible study once a month. You know, it's really hard. You you wouldn't be able to do that. You lose your momentum. You still have that element of busyness where people have to miss occasionally and so on. So we came up with this structure and methodology that every month we have a two two hour meeting, you know, and then. What we do is I teach on a, a self-contained biblical topic, like kind of like we do on the podcast, like modesty or suffering or the sufficiency of scripture. Oh. And I'll teach on that for about 45 minutes. So because the topic is self-contained to that particular meeting, there's no prep work or homework. And there's no worry about making anything up if you have to miss a meeting because it's a new topic every time. So we do that for about 45 minutes, and then we break into small, multi-generational discussion groups for about 30 minutes to discuss the, the topic of the teaching. And that's where younger women can ask questions, and the older women can offer their guidance, and, and we give them some discussion questions as well, you know, to kind of get the conversation started. Uh, and then the remainder of that two hour time frame is just continued discussion or chatting or just sort of free range fellowship is what I like to, to think of it as. So 
what we're doing is we're tackling those electives we talked about earlier and trying to foster more of an older women teaching younger women uh, environment in in the church. And we've gotten we've only had one meeting so far. Our next meeting is uh, this as we're recording this. It's coming up this coming Monday, but uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback, uh, positive feedback about it so far from both the younger and the older women. So we're looking forward to really getting rolling with that. And then the third thing that I'm doing is that I'm on the committee that plans women's fellowships throughout the year. And these are pretty much strictly just for fun events. Like like this year, we had a tacos and game night, and we did dinner out at a restaurant, and we did an ice cream social. So, you know, those are super helpful for women of all ages, you know, just relaxing and getting to know each other better, which is a great foundation for older women discipling younger women. Oh, it really is, because how can you develop a discipleship relationship if you don't really even know each other all that well? So we've talked about the importance of those core subjects of teaching the gospel, the Bible, and churchmanship, and we also talked about teaching electives like biblical topics and practical skills. But Michelle, I think you and I would definitely agree that fun and fellowship is a third most important aspect of a biblical, healthy women's ministry, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I learned this the hard way, I guess you could say, several years ago in a previous church. I had invited several women from our couple's Sunday school class over to my house for a time of fellowship and also some discussion to gauge their interest in a women's Bible study class that I had been hoping to start. So once everybody had their refreshments in hand, I started asking if any of them would want to attend a weekly women's Bible study, you know, which day of the week would be best, which book of the Bible would they like to study and all that stuff. And I got a few polite and perfunctory responses until one brave soul spoke up and said, you know, we have good, solid preaching at our church and we get great Bible study every week in our Sunday school class, but we never just get to sit around and visit and get to know each other better like we're doing tonight. I think we need that more than another Bible study class. And she was so right. Uh, I get that. I, and I think so, too, that that yearning for fellowship and just getting to know each other is so important. And, you know, in recent years, we've seen so many churches who seem to be on mission to transform themselves into some sort of carnival, you know, kind of swinging the opposite way on the pendulum. And there are pastors who deliver stand-up comedy routines instead of preaching the word, um, you know, and, and there, it even goes to the extreme of helicopters dropping Easter eggs for the annual hunt and Disney-designed fire truck baptistries, video games, uh, you know, slides and bubble machines in the children's department and cars and sports tickets and vacation package giveaways, you know, over the top Christmas variety shows, just all kinds of nonsense that really has, you know, no place in the church. But though churches need to be careful not to fall into the ditch of foolish stuff and worldliness, doctrinally sound churches shouldn't jump into the ditch on the other side of the road of turning every single church get together into a Bible study either or a worship service or an outreach project, and neither should your women's ministry. Amy, can you hear the gasps of holy <laughs> horror from some of our listeners? Not a yes, Bible study. I said it. Oh, no. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> yeah. Look, please don't hear what we're not saying. Please. We are by no stretch of the imagination suggesting that churches should turn into amusement parks like the ones that Amy just mentioned. We're not saying churches shouldn't hold copious numbers of worship services and Bible studies and outreach projects. We absolutely should. 
preaching, teaching, discipleship, and evangelism should be the main focus of the church. And as we've already said, the main focus of your women's ministry as well. What we're saying is that, especially in women's ministry, in the hustle and bustle of studying and serving, we need to make sure we're also leaving space for sisters in Christ to simply spend unprogrammed time together, growing to know one another more intimately, sharing our little everyday joys and sorrows, laughing together, deeply loving one another, blowing off steam and having a little fun. You know, those things don't happen when we're attending a Bible study class or or busily working on an outreach task because we're we're focused on the task at hand, you know, on studying or on doing the the outreach thing. But those things are a vital part of growing in Christ together as a family. Yeah, and and you mentioned Michelle before uh, churchmanship, and uh, you know a few churches ago we were part of one that didn't require membership, and to mm-hmm. me it felt like. Um, Almost like, you know, a couple living together instead of being mm-hmm. married, because mm-hmm. there was really no commitment there, even though very dear people, and they were committed to being together, but without membership, I, I think that was lacking. Yeah. And one of the many reasons local church membership isn't optional for Christians is that it places us in the required environment for practicing the one another's found throughout the New Testament. But how can we do what scripture says and through love serve one another if we don't know a sister well enough to know how best to serve her? How can we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ if we never take the time to sit down with each other and find out what those burdens are? You know, if your church has solid biblical preaching, doctrinally sound Sunday school or Bible study classes, members who joyfully serve the body when opportunities are presented, and who share the gospel with the lost, it's okay to have the occasional women's ministry event that doesn't revolve around the those activities and instead provides the opportunity for simple fellowship between sisters in Christ. Maybe something like one of the activities Michelle mentioned, a ladies night out at a restaurant or a movie or a game night or a, you know, a, a Christmas party or a craft night. Um, I'm not crafty, but I, I certainly would go to one of those, you know, <laughs> uh, and I would have a lot of fun, I think. And it's, it's not necessary to turn any of these events into a Bible study either. That's right, Amy. It's not. Because, you know, when Christians get together, the talk invariably and organically turns to things of a spiritual nature. You know, I gave a lot of thought to what that lady from my Sunday school class said at our fellowship that evening. And so instead of planning a weekly Bible study, I started planning the occasional ladies night out, you know, a simple dessert fellowship at my house or a dinner at a restaurant or something like that. And um, every time we got together, we inevitably ended up talking about spiritual matters. You know, once we spontaneously gathered around and prayed for a sister who had shared some things that she was struggling with. Another time we brought up some scripture to encourage one of the ladies who was walking through a particular issue with her child. Uh, we discussed and recommended good godly books and warned against some really bad ones <laughs> to each other. Uh, we laughed a lot and sometimes cried, but mostly we grew together. 
Yes. And you know, Michelle, uh, one of the things that we do at our, uh, our Bible study gatherings right now is we make sure that we pray for one another and, and, mm-hmm. you know, how can I encourage you? And we ask those questions of each other and we write it down so that we can continue to lift each other up, you know, during the week. And, and it inspires people to maybe send that text or email, you know, and, and still, uh, you know, gather together as friends to talk about those things and to follow up. So yes, you know, people talk about what they're most passionate about when we get together. And Christians are most passionate about the things of God. We need to be sure we're trusting and believing that not only fearing that if we you know don't have a devotion at our dinner or have our coffee in one hand while doing emissions projects with the other, that the women in our uh, women's ministry will suddenly abandon Christ and start dancing around the Asherah pole. You know, we need to know God well enough to know that he's not going to somehow be displeased when his people simply interact with each other over what comes to mind without a a biblical outline and three commentaries on the table. So, uh, yeah, I know that sounds kind of strange coming from us, but but it's true. We need to have that balance. And another thing that's um, really unbiblical and spiritually unhealthy is the mindset that if we're not meeting together for organized preaching, teaching, or ministering, we have no reason for meeting at all. That's simply not true. When Michelle and I hear from, you know, women who attend doctrinal sound churches with that attitude, what we most commonly hear from them is that they're lonely, that they have no one they can call or talk to or pray with when they have a problem you know, to sort out or, or joyful news to share because they don't feel close enough to anybody in their church to do those things with. Yeah, and Amy, that's a crying shame. No healthy Christian in a doctrinally sound church should regularly feel isolated and lonely. We need fun and fellowship with our sisters in Christ. Good Bible teaching is imperative for every women's ministry, but so are the heart-to-heart relationships between Christian women in the local church. So ladies, do teach the gospel, teach the Bible, do discipleship, teach those practical skills in your women's ministry, but don't leave out fun and fellowship. Yes. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this two-part mini-series on biblical and practical women's ministry and that the Lord has used it to show you where your women's ministry is doing great, where it could maybe improve, or even how to get a women's ministry started at your church. If you love A Word Fitly Spoken and this or any of our other episodes have been helpful to you, please leave us a five-star review and an encouraging comment wherever you listen to us so that we can reach even more women with the truths of God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to stop by our website, awordfitlyspoken.life, to check out all of our resources and to support us via PayPal or Patreon. And until next time, seek out some biblical and practical ways to minister to the women of your church and walk worthy.